And Jesus said to them, go forth all of you, get your four-year degree and come back to me when you're good. Welcome back everybody. I am not very excited for this video because it is actually very personal to me. And I want to make sure everybody knows up front, this is not justification for anything. This is strictly me going by scripture. If I'm ever out of line with scripture, call me out on it. Let me know. But as far as the Bible goes, this is something that has been laid on my heart that I have gone through the fire and I really wanted to talk about and dive into. And that is qualification for ministry. That brings up the question, what is the qualification for ministry? What qualifies us for ministry? Jesus says this in the Great Commission. He says, go forth and make disciples, all of you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He tells us all to. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're qualified for ministry. You're called to ministry. That ministry may look different for everybody, but we're all called to some sort of ministry. You see, when Christ started, he called a bunch of nobodies. And when I bring this fact up a lot of times, people have two arguments against it. The first one is, well, Jesus is God. He can do anything. That doesn't always apply to us. Jesus can go take a bunch of fishermen and do things with them. He can change their lives, change their heart. He's God. He's allowed to do that. We're not God. Well, that is true. We are not God. But we have to remember, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us. It says in 1 John 2, 6, this. And I love this scripture. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. He tells us right there, we need to walk like Christ walked. We need to do the things that Christ did. And part of that is going to be ministering how he ministered. But the other argument I get a lot of times is, don't we want to give God our best? Don't we want to always put forth our best for God? Isn't that the same when it comes to ministry? Shouldn't we always put forth our best? Don't we want to put the best before us and, and let them preach? Don't we want the best qualified people for the ministry? Well, let's see what scripture has to say about that. In 1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 31, it says this, For the foolish things of God are wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Wow. That is just a crazy thought. Jesus chose the things of this world that aren't to shame the things that are. And a lot of times we kind of look and say, well, let's give God the best. Let's give God the best. And we don't always ask what he wants. We don't always ask what God's saying. Well, what about ordination though? Shouldn't they be ordained? Isn't that a, like a requirement for being a pastor or minister now? 
I mean, I thought we had to ordain our pastors and ministers. Well, here's my view on ordination. Ordination is simply man's recognition of God's calling on someone's life. We don't have to be ordained to be a pastor, to be a minister. I'm not ordained. Um, some people actually wouldn't call me a pastor or minister. I say, hey, I'm a disciple of Christ, and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to follow God's word. If people want to try to recognize there's a calling on my life, good for them. If not, that doesn't change what God's told me. And I'm going to follow that calling. I'm going to follow what God's told me, whether a man recognizes that or not. See, my experiences with churches, um, with pastoral ministries are a lot different than other people's. I remember walking into a larger church and going in for an interview and sitting down with a pastor and the pastor looked at me and said, okay, I see here you went to school at this place and it looks like you were there for a few years. Um, What'd you get your degree in? And that was kind of his first question. You know, do you have your degree? What's your degree in? What did you study? And I looked right at him. I said, well, I don't have a degree. I actually have two classes left and, and I could finish it up, but I don't technically have a degree right now. And he looked at me and said, oh, well, you're, you're definitely going to need that. You know, we really want to make sure that you can finish something before we would hire you. And I, I kind of said, okay, you know, I understand that. Here's my resume. Here's what I've accomplished. I've been working at a church for about three years. Um, here, we've, we've done this with the youth group. I, I got to preach every other Sunday. You know, I, I did all these things. Um, here's, here's what I've done. I can show you the, the fruits of my labor. I can show you the, the fruits of what I've done in a pastoral ministry. And he said, yeah, but we really need that degree. We really need to do this. And I looked over at him and I kind of just, I know I kind of threw the interview at that point when I said this, but I felt like God was trying to speak through me. I said, God didn't go around asking for the best of the best. God didn't go around asking people, hey, do you have your degree? Do you have this? What accolades do you have? Um, He said, hey, come follow me. Be my disciple. And he changed the world with those people. Why are we changing the standards for what God called? And he looked at me. He goes, well, you know, when when you're at a church that's a little bit bigger, we want to make sure that you know the word and that you can get into it. And I kind of understand it a little bit, but in my heart I'm saying, Wow, that's that's not what God says. That's not what God's word says. And a few weeks later, I actually got to meet with a, a pastor friend of mine who I'd known for a while, and um, I hadn't seen him for a little bit. And I met with him, and he was starting a new church, and he was pretty excited about it all. And I just kind of was lamenting to him, saying, man, I, I wish I could be a pastor somewhere. This is what I've done. I've taken a youth group, and we've grown it, and we've done all these things, and and I was a, a youth pastor and associate pastor at this place for, for a couple of years. And I get through telling him all this stuff and, and asking for some advice. And the very next thing he said to me is, I think you should go and work at a smaller church for a couple of years and, and get some experience on you. And then, and then maybe look around after that. And I'm like, dude, I just got done telling you that's exactly what I just did. And here you are telling me you didn't pay attention you're not really listening and you don't really care. You just want to push forth what you think the requirements of of God are, that you should do this, this, and this. 
and it it broke my heart and it kind of it made me start changing my view and really get deeper on what it means to be qualified for ministry. You see, if we're truly honest, most churches look more like Pharisees when they come to looking for pastoral staff than they do like Jesus. And I want to get into that a little bit deeper because I know that's a probably a huge slap in the face for a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of staff members, a lot of pastors. Um, but in all honesty, churches look for degrees. Jesus looked for disciples. Churches look for knowledge when Jesus looks for wisdom and love. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3 talks about knowledge puffs up. Churches a lot of time will look for your training. Jesus looks for your submission. Churches look for your experience. Jesus looks for your willingness. Churches look for your recognition, how you're known. Jesus looks for your humbleness and your meekness. Churches a lot of times will look for perfection. They'll look for our perfection in our life. God looks for our repentance. They want to make sure you're self-reliable at the church. When God says, I want you to be useless without me. I want you to seek me first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Churches want the best of the best. God wants the nothings. Churches want people that are popular. Jesus wanted the outcast. Churches want people who know how to use psychology. Jesus just wants us to trust him and in his method. Churches want us to take it and make it our ministry. Jesus wants us to give it up and make sure everybody knows that it's his ministry alone. You see, I've been under many different pastors. Some for the better, some for the worse. And the first pastor I was under told me he believed in evolution. And that threw up some red flags. And the next pastor I went under, I was sitting there with my wife in church. And he starts preaching a sermon and says, What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of Christ, and you are not your own? Therefore glorify God in your body, in your mind, in your soul. And by the way, I sell weight loss supplements. And that is your temple. That is your body. So if you have trouble with weight... You really need to make sure that's okay. So come see me after church and we'll talk about this a little bit more. And I was like, didn't Jesus come and flip some tables because of stuff like this? Like, what are you doing? So we moved on from that church and we get to another church. As soon as there's a, uh, there's actually a transitional time. They were changing uh, lead pastors at that time. The uh, founding pastor was stepping down. And I'm like, this is going to be amazing. It's a perfect time. God's ordained this. He has us here. I just want to grow. I just want to learn more about God. And I listened to this gentleman preach. And the first week it was, hey, here's my story. Here's where I came from. Okay, I'll let it go. No big deal. You know, it's not what I come to church for, but I understand. Second week, hey, here's some more stories about me. Here's some more stories about me. Uh, Have a good day. And he said something about, you know, I'm, if my son has a baseball game, I'm going to make sure and be at that game. 
God understands. And I, I was kind of thrown off by that, but okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. I'll kind of, I kind of understand that. Um, third week, fourth week, I would see little taglines of scripture and just all these stories. And I look at my wife and said, what did you get out of that? And I asked her a couple weeks in a row and she said, it was very entertaining. I was like, yeah, we could be entertained at home. I mean, I got Netflix. We can go watch Netflix. Who cares? That's not why I come to church. So oddly enough, I'm, I'm there one day and I see the lead pastor out in the, I guess they call them foyers. I, I can't pronounce those big fancy words like you guys, but you know, he was out in the atrium, whatever they call it. And I, I went up to the pastor and said, hey, pastor, I just wanted you to maybe encourage this new pastor because when you're up there, your message was just, it was soaked in scripture. It was saturated with God's word. And I've listened to this gentleman speak multiple times and I don't hear the word of God at all. I just hear these great stories. might want to encourage him. I just, I, something's not sitting right in my soul. And he kind of brushed it off, you know, as pastors do. I'm sure they get lots of people that want to tell them things all the time. And I felt brushed off. I, I went away with us. Okay, no big deal. Um, my wife and I left and we looked around for some more churches. Come to find out a few months later, uh, that gentleman had stolen $15,000 from that church. And then I started thinking this. What if we lived out Philippians 4, 4 through 7? It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Here it is. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it just got me thinking, how much of that situation was just soaked in prayer? How much of it was submitted to God that they weren't anxious about it, that they weren't seeking things on their own, but they were submitting everything before the Lord of Lords and the host of hosts to see who he wanted to lead their church. But here's where it gets personal for me. And this is something that's probably even more dangerous. You see, I stood before God and I said, look, God, there's all these men that you have over here that people call pastors, that lead churches, that do all these things, and they're not living a righteous life, or they're not doing this, they're not, they're not submitting themselves fully to you, God. And here I am trying to live righteously, and you won't even use me to be a pastor, but you're using these men. What are you doing, God? I was so wrong. You see, so many times I thought, I'm qualified, God. I am this, I am that. And here's the reality of it, guys. If we're honest, none of us are qualified for ministry. None of us. But God. But God. He's the only reason. It says that he takes our sin and he exchanges it and gives us righteousness instead. He clothes us in his righteousness. And that's what makes us worthy to be able to be used by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's not that we deserved it or that we were good enough. It's that we weren't good enough and he had to help us. 
You see, if we line all these things up, all the stuff that a church wants in a pastor, we line it up, everything the church says they want for a pastor, we get a great man that can do a great job and do some great things. But if we line up what God chooses and the people he decides to use as pastors in the Bible, we get people who are capable of nothing but God is capable of anything when he joins with them. And that's the key. I'm going to read something out of Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That's crazy. Somebody that has probably more reason to take confidence in everything that he's ever done says I count it all as garbage because Christ's worth is way more. It's worth so much more. And yet we as a church body take so much value in those things still. When God says, I don't want all these things. I want the person with the relationship. I want the people that follow me closely. The one that listens to that still small voice. Again, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8-10. through 10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am truly strong. You see, I for so long thought I had to achieve this I had to do this if I was going to be used or qualified for the ministry. I had to fit a certain mold. And God came down over years and just smashed it and said, you know what? You work at an auto repair store. I want you to minister to the guys you work with. I want you to minister to people that walk in that door. I want you to preach the gospel to anybody who's listening, I want you to do everything you can to follow after me. That's your ministry. Paul was a tent builder. That was his trade. He started building tents to actually make ends meet. And yet, he helped change the world. My challenge is this. As we look around at the church, as we look around at, at the bride of Christ, Let's start to look and act more 
like Christ. Let's start with these small steps to start changing church. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. I can't wait to meet with you next week and talk about sin in the church.